Welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast of The Invisible World of Jeremy Jones, where it's not so much about how to live your best life, but how to show up and live your life. Thanks for joining. Episode 16, there's nothing wrong with you, okay? Uh, Hey everybody, this is Jeremy Jones, and it has been a full month since I've released an episode. It's been taking some time off with the holidays and the new year, and excited to start 2021 with this episode and a bunch more I got planned for 2021. But the truth is, I'm so embarrassed that I have to start the podcast like this. But part of the deal here is that I show up one one hundy, 100%, that I show up visible, that I add the pigment and pixelate my invisible world. So here I am, and you come 100% too, right? So the other day, I'm cruising around, doing my life, enjoying the view, and I'm just minding my own business, driving along, staying in my lane, and I was sideswiped. I wasn't even looking for it. Not like I was veering around, crisscrossing the freeway. What happened? Well, I caught a post on social media, and social media is not the problem. It could have been a variety of revealing circumstances, but someone on social was feeling what's the word, Um, excited about their business progress, about their economic advancement, about money, lots of money. And they were feeling high in the saddle about the passive amounts of money that they were making and all the free time they had. And apparently they needed to share it with the whole world. And just like that, I, I was deflated. Like like when you're blowing up a balloon for a party and it just slips between your fingers and just drops to the ground. I went from cruising on the freeway with the top down, enjoying tunes and the sunset glow on the leather seats, to feeling like I was struggling. Feeling like I was merely pushing my now broken down car uphill And I mean, it was snowing and there was ice and it was slipping backwards. The reason I'm embarrassed is, well, I produced this podcast called The Invisible World of Jeremy Jones. You should check it out. And I should be beyond, right, above that kind of backslide, above feeling jealous. I should be taking my own medicine here. I should be... So enlightened that when my Roman brother asks me to carry his pack a mile, I smile. A deeply calm, wise smile. And I throw an extra mile on top, just out of kindness. I should be better than this tit-for-tat, keep up with the Joneses, scoreboard, hullabaloo. I mean, come on. I know better. Hold the phone. Did you catch that? Did you catch the moldy cheese in the mousetrap? What was that cheesy word? Ah, should. I have a piece of paper I printed out in abnormally large text, and I hang it up in my office, and it says, There is no should. 
I'm going to do a future episode on this whole toxin of should. But for now, I want you to know, don't get caught up in the sticky webs of shoulds. So many of them, like we talk about on previous episodes, so many of them are mere illusions. When we look at a should, it takes us out of reality, out of the present moment. Hey, for example, I should be happier in this grinding, volatile, romantic relationship. No, you shouldn't. Instead, be with the pain and discomfort. Surrender to it and see how when, when I, you know, not my partner, when I treat this relationship as a buddy or a roommate or a business partnership, the business of raising a family, wow, there's no intimacy when I do that. It gives you the power to see. And the power to see gives you the power to change. You can't change what you don't see. Ah, 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 that was a gem. That was a gem. One more time. You can't change what you can't see. There's a part of me probably off sleeping in some room in my big house with the shades down that, that wants to get out of bed and express its inherent joie de vivre instead of how should the relationship be. What's hiding in your invisible world? that you can share to empower and change your circumstances. Or this, or this. Hey, I should be making so much more money. I should have a better job and wait, no, 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 you can make more money, right? But the truth is that hasn't been important to you. You were spending time with your family. You were being balanced and exploring new hobbies. You were... You were taking some time off, you know, much needed rest, recharging the batteries. You chose to work a job or grow a business that, you know, really doesn't pay that well, but something else was more important to you. Maybe you just enjoy it and the money was less important. You had your reasons for choosing that path. Doesn't mean that's your highest priority. And also doesn't mean that you can't change that path, but you shouldn't be anywhere else be richer right? if you insist on a should like hey I, I have to have a should all right if you insist on a should then here's one you should just be here now right? just love where you are jones rust and all every day keeps adding a different hue to my journey so listen Never, you'll never be here again. So why not enjoy it? And that's okay. We, we might not enjoy it, but you can at least appreciate it. Appreciate it before it's gone. Whether it's the low, the high, the struggle, the win, the success, the loss. Appreciate the life experiences that you're having. There's no should. Hmm. See, when I repeat my career or entrepreneurial decisions in this manner over and over again, then I'm successful at producing these results. Now listen, they might not be the results that that I want per se, but you know how to at least be successfully produce these certain results. Did you catch that? See, you can always change, well, anything, but that doesn't mean you necessarily should. I, listen, I should be getting better grades. I should be retired by now. I should have kids by now. 
I should get the promotion. I should get that house with the pool and tennis court. I should be growing my business bigger. Huh? Maybe. Then again, maybe not, says our friend, the Taoist farmer. You remember him, right, from earlier episodes? Remember that parable? And uh, just a reminder, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. The curriculum and content is designed to build on itself. So start at episode one and catch up. I'll still be here. See, maybe it was more important to you to pay for your kid's college. And that meant pushing off your retirement. So yeah, you could be retired now, but you intentionally chose to push it off for these other reasons. You chose to not upgrade your house so you could live abroad and travel. I mean, Jesus, he was poor financially, but that's because he knew his McMansion was inside. That that had abundance and what he needed was already inside of him. That's why he said in Luke 17, 21, the kingdom of heaven is inside of you. Your, your kingdom, it's, it's invisible in your invisible world. But you can go there anytime, Jones. Okay, still with me? All right, then. Maybe it was more important to you to try another career before it was too late, and this kind of sideswiped your retirement plans. But you did get to try out a new career before it was too late. Or, uh, oh, I should be getting good grades. Yeah, that's right, okay. Before I answer this one about the good grades, you answer it. Should you get good grades? Should your kid get good grades? Put a little breadcrumb here. Remind me to come back to it before we finish this episode. Makes me wonder, am I making actual progress? Or am I experiencing a false positive by looking at my wheels spinning, but not realizing the car is just spinning on ice and not advancing? Whew. Okay. Okay, that was a winded intro. So there's a bunch to unpack in this episode. Will you join me, shall we? Shall we jump in? There's nothing wrong with you, okay. All right. First, one of you, one of my invisible friends out there listening, put a very nice review on Apple a few weeks ago. I guess it's been a while, no? A couple months ago, whenever it was. Which, by the way, thanks for the review. That was awesome. I love those. I liked in your review how you highlighted the antidote concept. An antidote, as we know, is a medicine taken to counteract a particular poison. Or from an alternative perspective, a medicinal antidote helps balance good cells versus intruder cells. We have an antidote for many strands of the flu, right? but not for what? Well, we didn't for COVID-19, for that strand of the flu. See, if I have phlegm stuck in my throat, do I reach for Pepto-Bismol? Pepto is an antidote. So in my podcast, I'm I'm stockpiling the medicine cabinet, chock full of various antidotes. And sometimes it's the power of now principle, like by, by Tolle. Or sometimes it's that we should love our neighbor as we love ourselves, the great commandment. Or sometimes it's meditation and yoga. And sometimes it's focusing on the rainbow moment. And sometimes it's the Tao Chi Yin Yang principle. Or embracing conflict instead of avoiding it. Learning from historical influences and events and so forth, right? All right. Noisy Teton, uh, that's the name of the person uh, who put the Apple review, circling back to the very beginning of this episode. If you remember how I started it. 
Now, what is the antidote for me? For the jealousy, rage, subsequent inadequacy, rabbit hole that I jumped down when I got sideswiped by that social media post? What's the antidote? The flavor of the poison was, was what? Ooh, look at how good they are doing. And my equation was, if they are doing so well financially, then I must be inadequate. Then I should find my brokenness. Must, I must fix it, tweak, sublimate, paint over the walls of my big invisible house, do a do-over renovation. I'm, I must find the missing puzzle piece. How do I make me better? Just show me. Show me and I'll do it. You know? I thumb through the medicine cabinet and, and here's the antidote that I took. And you'd be thinking of the one that you would have gave to me, all right? Instead of, what do I need to fix? Which, which is basically a variation of the question I've always whipped myself with. My deeper intelligence kind of moseyed on over and whispered to me, Hey, Jones, what if, what if there's nothing wrong with you? Now, you were about to say Jillian Lynn, weren't you? I know you were. Okay. Let's start with Jillian Lynn's story. So here's Jillian. She's a seven-year-old girl who can't focus in class. She's getting bad grades, getting in trouble. She's not falling in line. She's unfocused and fidgety all the time. Her mother takes her to the doctor to find out what's wrong with her. What's wrong with Jillian? And why can't she just be like everyone else? Hmm? Sure enough, during the visit with the doctor, Jillian, right, she starts squirming and fidgety. And so the doctor asked the mom to join him out in the hall. Before they do, though, he turns on the radio in the room, leaving Jillian alone. Out in the hall, as they peeked through the window, they saw Jillian get up from the couch and she moved rhythmically to the music. Ah, you see, miss, there's nothing wrong with your daughter. She's a dancer. The prescription was not Ritalin. The prescription was put her in dance classes. She's a dancer. There's nothing wrong. The mom, she listened to the doctor and got Jillian in dance classes right away where Jillian immediately thrived and flourished, where she said it was great, where, hey, wow, this, at this place, everyone's just like me. She fit in, not out. That little girl grew up to be Jillian Lynn, one of the most prolific dancers and dance choreographers of the last century. She joined the Royal Ballet School in England at a young age and went on to choreograph over 60 Broadway productions like Cats, Phantom of the Opera. She's worked on 11 feature films, hundreds of television productions as a producer, director, choreographer, or performer. And Lynn uh, was honored with CBE in 1997 and made DBE in 2014, the New Year's honors list for her services to dance and musical theater the first woman to be honored in this way. Mm-hmm. So, there's nothing wrong with you. Maybe you're a dancer. Okay, now back to my sideswipe. I thought, you know, what if, what if I'm not a real estate mogul 
What if I'm not a private equity guru, a stock trading expert? What if I'm not an employee office person? What if, what if I just want to be a teacher? What if I'm a firefighter? What if I'm a parent, a full-time stay-at-home parent? I, and, and I'd rather do that than a capitalistic chase of diamond-studded McMansions. What if I'm, I'm not an academic whiz? What if... I'm a dancer. What if I'm sitting in algebra class and I get my test back and I'm like, ah, woo, woo, yes, I just got a solid C. That's a 78%. Let's go. And then there's that kid, right? That kid that gets the 105% test because they answered all the questions correctly and then they made up, like she made up her own extra credit question for fun. What if, what if that's okay? What if there's nothing wrong with the 78%? What if I'm a dancer? Hmm? Can I still love myself? Can I still love and appreciate others when they don't fit into my should blueprints that I've written for them? All right. Now, typically when people hear this story as a famous story, maybe you've already heard it, they think, yeah, huh, Julian's story. What if I'm not a dancer? Yeah. What if I'm not a Wall Street wolf and I'm like someone who makes a podcast where my cat is my biggest fan? Is that okay? Is it okay to be me? Is it okay to be you? Are you being you? Uh Uh-huh. Something to noodle on. Okay. How about we put ourselves uh, in Jillian's story? And let's see if we can find an even higher truth. Okay, like this. Follow me, okay? What if you're that seven-year-old girl, no focus in class, can't stop moving, fidgety, and you don't have a mom who takes you to the doctor, right? You're just, huh? oh, it's just a seven-year-old kid being seven, kids being kids. You know, The whole story goes different if the mom skips the doctor and is like, ah, oh, there's just kids these days, you know? Then what? Then what? Or... Or your doctor doesn't close the door and doesn't play music and doesn't say you're a dancer and that there's nothing wrong. Instead, the doctor rushes to the next patient and says, ah, listen, you're, you're, uh, here, look at this catalog. You're, you're ADHD, ADD, mildly acoustic, Asperger's, you know, Prader, Willie syndrome. Just, you know, pick something here out of this catalog. We'll get you some medication on the way out the door and that should, that should solve the problem of what is wrong with you. The, the problem of why you're different than everyone else. The normalization pill. The fall in line pill. Obviously, uh, um, okay. So this is a bit of a deep, deep dive. A, a dive in the deep end. So stick with me. We'll do one dive and then we'll kind of swim off to the side. So today's question is, can you see how you are all these characters, how they all live in your big invisible house? When are you the, the little inner child, confused, uh, fidgety, feeling alone and out of sorts, feeling inadequate, feeling like I need help? But that's not you, you. That's just your inner child who is a frequent honors reward VIP guest at your house. Okay. Now, now, can you also see, when are you the mom, right? Your nurturer, caretaker energy, finding solutions, seeking resources, okay? 
And when does your doctor do house calls? Right? I mean, come on. You have a doctor that that swings by your big house for a house call, right? Inside of you is an invisible doctor who says, oh, can't focus on school, work, academics. Oh, you suck at this or that. Uh, Listen, there's nothing wrong with you. You're a dancer. Go move. Go dance outside the lines. Go freely associate. Go build castles that are made of sand and and build them in the snow. Just go, go create. When Jillian got to the class, she's like, wow, this is so easy. Everyone's like me. Did she still have to work hard? Sweat, energy, tears to get to her career dancing goals? Yeah. Yeah, sure she did. But it was such easy work. You feel me? Hmm? Interesting, her mom died, sadly, tragically, while she was a teenager. But she carried out this gift with her. A gift that has blessed so many people when they hear this story. I've tried to figure out who the doctor was, his name. And I wasn't able to find it. If you are a research whiz and you can find that out, let me know. Because I'd like to unpack the background on that doctor. I want to learn more about him. What was his life like? Dedicate an episode to him. Selfishly, of course, right? I want to get better at prescribing my own antidotes, my own medicine. Now I'm going to throw out another dot. And let's see if we can draw a line and connect these two dots. Another example of someone who went off course is Einstein. Remember when I left that breadcrumb earlier that you were going to remind me of? Should you get good grades? Should your kid get good grades? Let's take a look at Albert Einstein. You've all heard of this famed physicist, so I thought he'd be a good example. Now, Albert Einstein, like, uh, say, Bob Ross, had what? Pretty sweet hair, right? Am I right? Pretty sweet, very unique. And also, like Bob, he was courageous, in tune enough to avoid the should. And Bob Ross, I've listened to, you know, he never says, you should paint this happy little tree Three inches up and have 18 branches with 60% thalo blue and 40% arctic white. He's, he's not in his head overthinking things. He's going by feel, by touch, by soul power. He says, what? This is your world. This is your world. It can be whatever you want. Maybe, uh, maybe in your world you have more or less trees than mine. It's, it's what you choose to paint. And Einstein does that, right? He does science with his own brush. Not the schools, not the all-star generations previously, not his parents. He brushes his way, his canvas, his painting. He does pretty well avoiding the should traps along the way. Did you know Einstein was a somewhat controversial student? Like, he wasn't a straight-A student. I looked at his grades. They're available online. You should check it out. His French class grade was mediocre. At best. He got really good grades in sciences and math. No surprise there, right? He always liked to do things his way. Worried his parents uh, from the beginning. When he was very young, he was very slow to talk and also avoided other children and had extraordinary temper tantrums. Well, then look what happens. At 15, he drops out of school. His parents, you know, <laughs> we're so proud. Yeah. Einstein, right? a dropout. He's like, listen... I'm not a dancer for this kind of school. He loathes rote learning. 
drops out with purpose, though, with visual perception. He drops out so he can drop into an academic institution that fits him better. And instead of going back to the school he knew he didn't belong, instead of trying to force and melt into that mold, he held out and studied and applied to the Polytechnic School in Zurich. But guess what? On the entrance exam, he crushes math, like dominates it. But then he fails botany, zoology, and the language sections. That's okay. Einstein is okay, buddy. You know, you're a dancer. You're a dancer. He, he wasn't looking to be a zoologist. He probably wasn't too hard on himself. Not like, oh man, what's wrong with me? Why did I get a D in language arts? See, there's nothing wrong. It's just, you're not a language arts dancer. It's not your song. It's not your music. The research I was reading said that he got in the very next year, uh, which obviously is still amazing because he was so much younger than the typical age for students that went to that school. So he goes on to this polytechnic school and his professors thought he was a little too pleased with himself, a little too high in his horse, which to me means he kept dancing to his own music, graduates as an average student, so much so that he doesn't land a job in academia or university, but at the Swiss patent office. Instead of asking what was wrong with himself, he just kept on his course. If he would have worked so hard bending the challenge of language arts, well, I doubt he would have become such an influential scientist to our humanity. Interesting. Okay. Now let me really bring on home the Einstein business. Bring it home. Come on, Jones. All right, right, my invisible friends, did you know that he was eventually offered the esteemed position of the president of Israel? President of a country. The job was offered, not like come run and vote, but like, hey, the job is yours. It's a newly formed country. Um, Sham Wiseman, I'm totally sure I pronounced that wrong, uh, was the first president of Israel when it was revolutionized in 1952. You know, he offers the job to Einstein to be the next president, and Einstein does what? Nobel Peace Prize winning famous physicist, well-seasoned man, a genius in some respects with awesome hair, does what? He declines. He turned the position down. He said he wasn't qualified. Einstein. Listen, I'm not qualified. What? And... I think he did it in a way that shows he knows there's nothing wrong with him. It's not because he's an inadequate person. He doesn't need to tweak or change or fix something. Sure, he could do it. And sure, he could develop what he needed. But he knows his passion, his calling. I'm a scientist. I'm a dancer. I'm not a president. And he knew it would take away from his invisible calling of being a scientist. He felt like the presidency job would be a distraction from his other interests. That's probably not easy to pass up, not easy to turn down. And despite Einstein's age, he was 73 at the time. He's full of life experience. He he declined the position. He said, this is what he said about it. All of my life I have dealt with objective matters. 
Hence, I lack both the natural aptitude and the experience to deal properly with people and to exercise official functions. Ah, think about it. Be like Einstein, right? Focus on what you do want. What, what can you drop out of so you can drop into something more squarely in your wheelhouse? I try following Bobisms, as you know, the religion of Bob Ross. Man, he said, just take off and have some fun. This is your world. It can be whatever you want. Thanks, Bob. And, and yes, while I can paint whatever I want, I also have to know that what I paint is the kind of picture that I'm going to get. We talked about that last episode, right? I, I can't paint a dancer and then expect it to be a portrait of Einstein. All right, now let's bring the whole episode home. Remember that great line from the rapper music artist Macklemore? If you don't love life, the check won't correct yours. We should pursue our passions, not our fortune. So what's your music? Is it growing a company, dancing, fitness, military, real estate, parenting, uh, charity? Maybe one reason we are suffering illness, we're suffering disease, dis-ease, discomfort, is the inconquerable mountain of trying to be something that's against our personal truth. I think of it like a compass. So may we have the courage to change course, to avoid doing and being something because we should. Listen, Jones, should? That's just a cheap corner magic trick. Be and do what sparks joy. Even if it doesn't make sense in your head. Do it because it invigorates the soul. Even if, right? Right, Vincent Van Gogh? Even if you only sell one painting. Van Gogh said, I wish they would take me as I am. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, for me, I'm going to double down. I'm going to follow my compass. I'm going to keep painting all right, and if I get it wrong, I'm going to remember that Bobism from the last episode. Mm. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It can fix easy. This is your world. You make it happen. And I hope I do. I hope you do, because the world needs who we were meant to be. So paint your canvas proudly, and I'll see you on episode 17.